0: However you're tuning in or wherever you are, it's my prayer that what you hear helps you to love God, His Word, His Spirit, His Church, and the people you interact with each and every day. Thanks again for listening, and may the grace of God fill your heart as you listen to the following message. Well, let me pray here. Father, we do thank you for this night, and we just, we surrender to you tonight, Lord Jesus. We surrender our heart God, we just ask that you would have your way. Uh, Father, I don't want to just share my own word. I want to share your word tonight. And so we pray, Holy Spirit, anoint the speaking and the hearing of the word of God. Lord, as I share on this critical subject of love, Lord, help us to be reminded tonight how important it is to love you, to love one another. Help us, Holy Spirit, in Jesus' name, amen. Amen, amen. Well, I'm calling this message tonight, We Amount to Nothing Without Love. We Amount to Nothing Without Love. And really my goal tonight is to remind us of how important this subject is, the subject of loving people. You know, I feel like as a culture, as a, as a generation in a historical moment, you know, that we find ourselves in, in the middle of a pandemic, election year, and all the drama that we've seen in 2020, there has been an explosion. I mean, I don't even know if that's the right word anymore, but I'm going to use the word explosion. There's been an explosion of offense, you know, heightened opinions, Um, you know, name-calling, bashing that group because they don't believe this, it's so heightened right now that it's almost like many in the body of Christ have forgotten that we follow a man whose primary value system is described as love. And we can't overlook that love isn't like, oh, that's nice, sweet, Derek. Oh, yeah, it's cool, but we're really after, you know... No, number one in the kingdom of God is love. That's the number one virtue. And so we have to remind ourselves at times because it's so easy to get jolted this way and that way. And, you know, we're we're crying for justice over here and we need this over there and we need God to do this. And, you know, there's so many messages being preached and taught and spoken and posted and tweeted and all these things. And I felt like the Holy Spirit said, just talk about my favorite subject tonight. And so I'm going to talk about love. I'm going to talk about love. Let's go down to number two. If you're joining through Facebook, the notes are on our website, gphop.org slash teachings. I always post notes, or at least I try to. They're out there right now. If you want to listen and then go through the notes as I go through them, they're out there. Let's go to 1 Corinthians 13.1 because this is where I get my title from. Uh, Let's do a little bit of contextual work here. So, in 1 Corinthians, Paul's writing his first letter to the church in Corinth. There's this revival breaking out. The gifts of the Spirit are being demonstrated. There's all kinds of, you know, Holy Spirit's moving in power. There's churches being established. Cool things are happening. Paul feels it necessary to write and say, okay, guys, all these things are happening. Let's talk about it, so he goes through first Corinthians twelve and he says, "Here's the gifts you know this is this is the gifts of the spirit, and you know here's what they do, and here's how you use them and he goes through for a few chapters and here's how you order your service and 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 all that, and right in the middle of all those explanations he it's like he pauses and he says, "You know all that's good, and it's you know it's part of a revival culture and god moving but let's just talk about love for a minute because that's central. And so if you, if you read on your own time at the end of 1 Corinthians 12, he says, essentially, I just told you about all the gifts of the Spirit, but I want to show you the most excellent way to live. And then he goes into 1 Corinthians 13 and he begins to describe what love is under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. So let's read these verses you know, we we hear this passage at weddings and, you know, we think, oh, what a cute verse. This is such an intense chapter because it's telling us basically, this is what God's like because God is love. And so Paul's saying, here is the premier value system. This is what you're supposed to love like. And this is what God's like. And so this is no just like, oh, cute wedding passage. You know, God God didn't put that in there just for weddings. He put that in there for a whole, whole bunch of other very important reasons. But one of them is so we could measure ourselves and find out, are we doing okay in our walk with the Lord? If we measure ourselves with this, how do we measure up? I imagine there was a significant number of abuses. I imagine there was a lot of flesh involved in the church of Corinth, or else certainly Paul wouldn't have wrote this. But he says this. He says, guys, told you about the gifts, but now let's talk about love. And he gets to verse 1 of 1 Corinthians 13. And he says, though I speak with the tongues of men and of angels, but have not love, I have become sounding brass or a clanging cymbal. Paul says, if I I have speaking gifts, but I don't do it in love, I'm just noise. Then he goes on in verse 2, though I have the gift of prophecy, he just talked about it, and he's going to talk about it more, but he says, if I have the gift of prophecy, and I understand all mysteries, and all knowledge, and, and though I have all faith, I mean, first of all, imagine if that was you, if you had understanding and mysteries and knowledge and faith so that I could remove mountains. Imagine having that ability. You have so much faith, you could mountain leave in Jesus' name, the mountain. I mean, I'd call that pretty cool. Paul says, even if I could do all that, but if I don't have love in my heart, what does he say? I am nothing ooh, you mean you could be anointed with power to command mountains to move and you can do that without love? Paul says, yes, you can certainly do that without a loving heart. Because the anointing comes upon people irrespective of character and virtue. Sometimes it's, it, we don't understand sometimes why the, the Lord allows that, but certainly Paul makes clear you can be unloving and operating in these things And be nothing. Like, oh, that's painful to hear. And though I bestow. This is the most intense one. It's like, Paul, are you really writing the Bible right now? And the Holy Spirit's like, yes, he is. Though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor. Okay, Paul's talking about someone who gives everything they own to the poor. That's intense. And though I give my body to be burned. In martyrdom, if I don't do that in love, it profits me nothing. Paul, are you telling me that I could have incredible oratory skills and I could be incredibly anointed and I could give all my money to the poor and die a martyr and I didn't do it in love? Paul says, yeah, you can do all that and not have love in your heart. Ugh. How do I get love in my life? <laughs> this is one of the, I mean, it's Friday the 13th, so I hope to spook you a little bit with this, for, <laughs> a little bit joking there. Paul is essentially saying, this is so important because you can be doing all the things that we think is the stuff. I mean, today there is so much idolizing of the stage and of speaking and of power and being anointed that I I fear the church is being swayed in a direction that values all these things without love. And Paul is saying, pay attention to the word of God because it's critical that you get love right lest you amount to nothing and lest your ministry amount to being unprofitable. a scary thought. Let me just reiterate that. You and I, we could be talented at speaking. We could have profound revelatory insight. We could embrace sacrificial lifestyles and still not have a loving heart and still have it all be about us and not about other people. Paul says that to kind of, so we feel some pain a little bit. That's why he writes this. He says, you are highly capable of doing great exploits but not getting the very most important thing down. When I read this, I go, ooh, that! I can see that in me. I can see it in the church. I, I can see how we can miss the love issue. Now, we know the well-known verse in uh, Revelation chapter 2 where the, the Lord has to correct one of the churches and say, you have left your first love. You're doing all these things great. Some things not so great, but but the most important thing you left you left loving me. And that's number 1. And so the Lord takes this seriously. We we see down to number 3 here after Paul kind of stings us a little bit what I think is rather humorous but also, you know, not so funny. In the second letter he writes to the Corinthians, Paul acknowledges I know some of my words hurt you, but I wasn't really trying to hurt you. I was just trying to help awaken you, basically. So we know some of these words were pretty intense to that audience and to us. He goes down and further into 1 Corinthians 13 and he just lays out 16 things. Here's what love is. And I'm so grateful for this list. And there's a number of lists in the Bible which we can kind of evaluate. Okay, how am I doing based on this list? Paul gives us a lot of them. But when we read these 16 things, what Paul is saying is this is what you will look like if you're doing it right. If these don't describe you, You're not maturing in love. If they do, you're going the right direction. And nobody walks in the fullness of this, so we're never going to be perfect in in that sense. But Paul just basically says, guys, if you you really have love in your heart, you will be long-suffering. You'll be patient with people. You'll be kind toward them. You won't be envious of what that person has in this, and you'll just be content. And you won't... Uh, be parading yourself and be totally into yourself you'll be into other people you won't be puffed up with arrogance you'll have a humble spirit and so Paul goes on 16 things I would encourage you just measure yourself against these don't measure yourself against the person that's failing spiritually or the you know that person out there measure yourself against Jesus and his word and say Lord how am I doing in this area I'm going to repeat what I said earlier, but these are descriptions of God's heart. They're not just things we're we're to do, they're what God's like toward us. And so sometimes when I'm like having a rough season or a rough day or whatever, I go to this and I go, God, thank you that you are long-suffering toward me because you're love and this is what you're like. You're patient with me. I blew it over here, but I know you're patient. Thank you. And you're kind toward me. You're not envious of me. You're not parading yourself constantly full of yourself and not into me. You, you're into me too. I love that. You're not puffed up. You're not rude toward me. You're not uh, seeking only your own, but you're, you're after my, my benefit as well. You're selfless toward me. Sometimes I go through that list and I say, Lord, help me to do this to others. Sometimes I go through the list and say, Lord, remind me that that's you. That's what Jesus is like. And so every once in a while, go through 1 Corinthians 13, become reacclimated. like, oh, that's what Jesus is like. Paul goes on through this six or seven verses here. I'm not going to mention all of them. Excuse me. He gets down toward... Um, Verse 12, and he says this very interesting phrase. He says, Now we see in a mirror dimly, but then face to face. Mirrors back then weren't like mirrors today, so they, they, the reflection was really bad. So, so he's saying, You know, we look into a mirror and we can, it's kind of, there's little, you know, you can kind of see resemblance. There's coming a day we're going to see God face to face and the clarity of understanding will be at a level we can't fathom. The way we relate to God right now is we look at Bible verses and go, okay, you're, you're kind, you're long-suffering. It's like we're looking into a dim reflect. It's hard to figure it out sometimes because there's just, there, it's just not, but there's coming a day you will see God and I will see God. I mean, you know, for all the redeemed, all who love Jesus and are born again Christians, you'll see Jesus with your very eyes. I mean, what? And then in that, in that moment and in that uh, atmosphere, there will be incredible clarity of what he's like toward you. So now it's, it's where there's this feeling of distance and he's invisible and up there, even though by faith he's in our spirit the Holy Spirit indwells us, revealing Christ and all of that. But but at the end of the day, I don't just look at a chair and see Jesus watching me preach. I mean, that'd be actually kind of spooky. <laughs> I'd be like, Jesus, you come up here and preach. Paul says, understand this is what God's like and this is what you're to be like. And, and keep this in mind, there's coming a day you'll see him face to face. It's as if it's dim right now, but Man, one day you will see love eye to eye. And so I try to think of that often because here's the reason I say that. One day you and me will literally fellowship with God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, like we see each other right now. We will see each other. And on that first day where we first meet personally, I don't want to have a life full of regret. And I don't want him to tell me, why didn't you love people like I asked you to? That was like the number one thing. Like, how did you miss that? I don't want to get into that eye-to-eye, face-to-face conversation and him go, yeah, I mean, you had speaking gifts that I gave you and yeah, you had insight because you studied the Bible, but didn't love people like I asked you to. And that's like number one. The other things are like 500 down on the list. Loving your spouse, your kids, your neighbors, you know, the staff and co-workers and extended family and people that just pass by on the street or the grocery store, homeless people, the impoverished, the disadvantaged, how do you treat them? Because there's coming a day we'll talk about that. And so I actually think about how amazing it's going to be when I see, like, the guy I talk to every day in my quiet time, I'm like going to see him face to face, what? What? But I want that to be positive. And I believe for eternity it will be positive. However, there is going to be an initial discussion that I believe will, you know, we call it the judgment seat of Christ. There will be an evaluation of our life. And I want to hear, well done, not not, you you didn't really get it. You got into heaven, but that's about it. I, I want to hear, no, not only did you get in, you nailed it. You know, you really did follow me like I asked you to. And so I, you know, part of me preaching this tonight, I'm talking myself back into what's number one. Here's the thing, family, whether revival comes or not, great awakening comes or not, and all the things we talk about, whether that happens, I can love people no matter what. I don't need all... I mean, I want... Gosh, I want our city saved. I want America touched by God. I want the nations experiencing revival. I'm not waiting for that to love people. And so here's the thing. Get a vision. No matter what happens, I mean, whether God judges the nations and, you know, like, whatever happens, I just want to love my neighbor and be faithful to what he asked me to. And this is doable. So, So sign up for this, like, epic life of loving God and loving people. Keep it simple and watch God use you. Sometimes we complicate it. Sometimes we think it's, you know, like spiritual trigonometry that we can't figure out. And it's so simple. God just says, spend time with me, love me. And out of that overflow, love people. And and then that actually is nailing it. It's not like what country do I go to or What job do I pick? And how many years do I do this? And all that takes care of itself if we do the main thing, which is love God, love people. I tell people this frequently. All I really care about, (laughs) I just started having quiet times one day because I fell in love with Jesus. And the years go by, and all of a sudden, I'm an elder in a church, and a few more years go by, and God asked me to start a ministry called Greater Pure House of Prayer. And it's just like, I just wanted to have quiet times with God and get to know him and learn his word. And the Lord says, you just keep loving me and trying your best to love people. I'll take care of everything else. I'll take care of your money. I'll take care of your family. I'll take care of your ministry, all that. That's all, that's all peripheral. Just keep loving me, number one. Amen. Let's go down to number four. Let's check on something really quick. I want to make sure I turned this on. Yep, I did. Good. That's good. Number four. Just want to touch on this briefly. Ephesians 4.15. Paul is, this is a different letter to the church of Ephesus. Paul says, speak the truth in love. Speaking the truth in love, then he's talking about the maturity of the body of Christ and, you know, why he puts apostles, prophets, pastors, teachers, and evangelists in place and all that. But he says, speaking the truth in love may grow up in all things into him who is the head Christ. And what I want to mention there is, you know, there are so many thousands and millions of people that are just speaking things. You know, we have an un- unprecedented access to social media and Internet, and we're so connected and anybody can throw out an opinion. Anybody can say pretty much anything or put out a video. A lot of people are speaking right now. But what I want to call us to, and certainly we need to speak up, the Christian uh, faith is a, is a spoken faith. There's times where we limit our speech. There's times where we're silent. There's times where we you know, kind of pull back and disengage in the social conversation. But by and large, the Christian faith must be talked about And the Bible must be preached for people to know Jesus. However, we can't stop short It's simply telling the truth. We have to do what Paul says and tell the truth in love. And a lot of times that gets cut in half. Well, I told you the truth, but but you did it with a mean spirit and now they're wounded and they're further from God. The way we help people grow, we have to speak truth, yes, in love. That's the recipe that helps people grow. If we just speak truth, we have a trail of wounded people behind us trying to figure out why they're so hurt. If we say, guys, this is the truth, we need to do this, and we do it with kindness. We do do it with, like Paul said, with uh, long-suffering. We're patient with people. We're kind to them, et cetera, et cetera. It helps people grow up into the head, into the the likeness of Christ. So I want to be faithful to say things that are true. But the, the older I get in the Lord, I've been a Christian for 20 years now somehow. I mean, it just went fast. You know, when I first got saved, I just wanted to say the most radical thing possible. I don't care what happens. You know, it's in the Bible. And now, you know, the last number of years, maybe five, 10 years, I've been a Christian. So that was the first five now it's like, okay, yeah, what people really need, they don't just need just a you know, a you know, machine gun of truth that just wounds people. They, they need a loving spirit behind that so they can receive what God's trying to say to them. I, you know, so wrestle with that, pray into that, but we must be people who speak truth in love. Let's go down to number five here, John 13:35. One of my favorite verses, oh my goodness, this is just so weighty. The Gospel of John, John's writing, you know, John 13, 14, 15, 16, 17, some of the best passages in the New Testament, in my opinion. He quotes Jesus. Jesus says this. He says, by this, all will know that you are my disciples. If you love one another. I'm just thinking, when he said half that statement, they're thinking, what is it? How will everybody know? Oh, come on, Jesus, lay it on us. You know, they're probably pumped. And they're thinking, you know, 100 days of prayer and fasting, and then they'll know that you're my disciples. You know, three years of contending in the prayer room, then they'll know. You know, I'm sure, you know, if I was in that circle and I listened to half that statement, I would have been like, what is it, God? Here's how the whole world will know that you really follow me. Ooh, what is it? Oh, what is it, Lord? I can't wait. This is going to be heavy. It's going to be intense. It's just love each other. <sighs> Did I hear that right, Lord? Peter and John, Thomas, if you guys just sincerely love each other, you'll never even have to preach. They'll know you're the real deal. They'll know it. It will just exude from who you are. The fragrance on your life will be so genuine. They'll just know you're my disciples. It will be obvious. So let me ask a question. Is it obvious in your life? Do people know? Do they look at you and go, ooh, they're, they're not like the world, obviously, but they're, they're not even really like the church. They're just, they're a disciple. They're really, they really follow the Lord. I want to be that guy. I want to be the person who it's obvious. Some days it's not. My spouse will remind me. It's not so obvious today. You might want to go talk to the Lord. Sometimes my kids remind me, not so obvious, Dad. But just listen to those words. By this, all will know you're my disciples. Everyone will know. If you just love each other. I've actually meditated on this verse because it seems like how could that be? Here's the thing to get leaders, apostolic leaders, to love one another is difficult because they're all uh, someone who's called to be a leader and lead a movement or take the gospel to a nation like these Pauls and these Johns and these, these are driven, determined, anointed, powerful men of God. And and Jesus says to them, if you leaders of movements and nations taking the gospel to Jew and Gentile, you guys love each other, it will be obvious. And it also is a message to any believer as well. If you guys will love each other, if we in this room love each other, there's some there's a witness on our life. People go, You're the real deal. We can't get love wrong. If we get the anointing right, if we get how to do services right, if we get worship right, if we get prayer right, and we get teaching right, and we get love wrong, we're nothing. That's what the Bible says. I would, lo- I would rather get love right and everything else wrong. And that's why I don't really worry about where this ministry goes or if it's a big deal or if it's numbers big or small. or I don't even really... The Lord did it, so I'm just going to trust him. What I'm most interested in is stuff like this, is one day getting to heaven, and he goes, Derek, my son, well done, bro. (laughs) You did it. You, You did your very best to keep the main thing the main thing. Guys, the anointing isn't the main thing. Faith, moving mountains, raising the dead, healings, prophetic, church services all these things that's being talked about right now those are great but they're not the main thing the main thing is loving Jesus and loving people we need to major on that and minor on everything else and guys I want my city saved I want the full gifts of the spirit to break out like no time in history in our city I want our nation touched I want this stuff but I can't pull that lever God has to do that I can humble myself and pray like the bible says But you know what I can do? I can rake my neighbor's yard. I can be kind to my neighbor's kids. I can repent when I mistreat my spouse and kids. I I can do love. I can do it right now. And you can too. You can be great right now. That's awesome. I'm not waiting to be great on a stage in 10 years during a revival service. That's not greatness. Greatness is I can love my spouse and kids and neighbors and the homeless guy. I mean, something that so moved me about Mandy, she has such a heart for the disadvantaged. She's like, "Uh, Derek, I got this idea because, you know, whenever we're driving through town, there's always like a homeless guy and he's always asking for money. So I decided I'm going to make care packages. Every time we drive by a homeless guy, we're going to just put a care package out the window. We're not just going to give him money. We're not just going to give him leftover French fries on the ground. We're giving them a whole big old gift bag. Mandy, that's like what Jesus would do. <laughs> so we just keep them in our van and we you know, see kids running around, here's a gift bag. And they're like, whoa. One time, one of these bags Mandy made, you're in the back there. Hi there, thank you for doing that. I've gotten the credit for so many of them, by the way. <laughs> I gotta give you the credit though. I mean, we'll give people these gift bags and it makes their day. And then one time, this one little girl, we gave her a little gift bag. You know, it's got treats and stuff in it. She's like, thank you, Jesus. Oh. You know, she starts, like, worshiping Jesus. <laughs> like, wow. This, this thing, like, really touched people. And so just think of ways to love people. I love the, the gift bag idea, you know. You know, when I first got saved, I'd see a homeless person, and I'd be like, oh, get a job, bro. I had no idea how unloving I was. Now, 20 years later, it's like, oh, I don't know what went on in your life, but here's some money, here's this, and here's that, and I don't even really care if you're lying to me right now. I just want to bless you. <laughs> it used to so bother me when they lied to you. It's the same story. They got stuck in town, and their car ran out of gas, they need $5, and I remember for so many years, I would rebuke homeless people. i said, you're lying, and i cast that out. I tried to lead them through deliverance. Now, I just want to love people. I just, want to, I just want to be the hands and feet of Jesus and not make all these rules that people have to jump through. I don't know why the guy's homeless. No one knows. I don't even care if he's dishonest. Jesus met me when I was immoral, dishonest, full of sin and everything. And he just said, hey, I like you. Let's, let's be friends. Okay. And by the way, it comes with eternal life. It comes with eternity in heaven. It's a really good deal. Okay, I'm in. So I want to put less rules on everything, and I just want to love people because that's what what greatness looks like. Let's end here with number six. Paul literally, he makes an, an extraordinary claim. He tells us that we're nothing without love. He describes what love is. He gives a couple interesting insights. And then at the very end in verse 13... He says, really, there's three basic sets of virtues. There's faith, there's hope, and there's love. And he says, I want you to know that love is the greatest of these things. These are like three subsets. Paul says this under the inspiration of the Spirit. Love is the greatest thing you can do with your life. It's the greatest virtue. If all you become is a loving person, you have nailed the Christian life. You've absolutely nailed discipleship. This is really the ultimate. Because you'll hear all these buzzwords. Oh, we got to do discipleship. Oh, we got to do spiritual formation. Wow, oh, all these buzzwords. Really, what it all comes down to is: are we becoming like Jesus, who is love? Are we becoming like love? If so, we're nailing it. If we're at least on the trajectory, kind of like the plane's taking off in that direction. We're doing it. I just, I want to get a whole bunch of people to head that direction. Now, I'll just throw this out for free. A lot of people, what happens, they'll come to the prayer room and they'll sit in a chair a couple hours sometimes. I mean, we've had so many various kinds of meetings and negative emotions will begin to surface. And I'm like, wow, what? what? I just, I wanted to come to a prayer meeting. I wanted to feel the touch of the Lord, but I just, I feel so oppressed. And, and often what people don't understand is, is when you sit in the presence of love, he will try to remove what hinders love because he loves you that much. And so you get into his presence, all the unforgiveness and all the things that you've stuffed down begin to surface. It's the person who loves you the most trying to just, let's let's deal with that forgive that person renounce that sin let's let's have fellowship so many times i come to the prayer room and i you know i came in one way and i get into the prayer meeting i'm like ugh, it's me again and all my sin he says yeah i wanted to put my finger on that now let's get rid of it and you come you come a little bit deeper so don't ever, you know, you might come on a Friday, you might come on a Tuesday, it might be a morning set. You know, you could be a prayer room in some other town and you might feel in all these weird emotions. It's the Lord just trying to remove barriers to him loving you and you loving him. The more we allow him to kind of scoop all that stuff out and we get it in the light, we ask for forgiveness, he deals with it. We love him better, we love people better. I want to share just a quick story. I don't have on my notes as we close here. This is something I share every few years. I just thought of it today, so I'm like, I'll share it. Mandy, you know the story. Um, we're right about eight o'clock, so I'll just do this real quick here. When I was in college, I was gosh, I mean maybe early twenties. I was going to ICC at the time. Had a quiet time in the morning. Had some Vineyard UK worship on. I was listening the song about the Father's love. I, you guys might not even know what vineyard you came I'm, I'm, I'm older. I mean, there, there are so many bands that like, I don't even know where they went, but man, this vineyard CD, do you guys know what CDs are? <laughs> okay. Yeah. Now it's different. It was so different back then. I mean, you would like burn your own songs onto a CD. Anybody do that here? Okay. Yeah. Hannah. Yeah. You're my people. Woo. Okay. Yeah. Listen, um, it was just so different back then. It's just a whole other world. And so I'm listening to Vineyard, and the Lord's touching me, and I'm, I'm feeling his love. And an unusual thing happens to me. Some, you know, I've had a number, you know, not tons, but a few encounters with the Lord. That morning as I drive to ICC, I'm in my car. It's a blue Pontiac 6000. Not that that means anything. I, I'm in my car, I still feel the Lord. I had an incredible time with the Lord. I mean, I spent like the whole morning with God, read his word, prayed, worshiped, all that. I'm driving to ICC, okay? I look at a construction worker working on the road and I just break, I just break weeping. I just, I'm like driving by, I just look at a guy, ah, I just start like wailing. And I'm literally like, what is happening to me? Oh my goodness!" I'm thinking this in my head and I just start breaking. And all I can feel, I love this person so much. I feel God's love for this random construction worker just absolutely, It like, the only way I can describe it is, and I'm not a weepy person, I don't cry a lot. I wish I did. Mandy, you need to help me more. <laughs> Pray for me. Mandy's way more sensitive and tender than I am. I need to, I need to have more of a tender heart. Um, I would say, you know, normally the love you would normally feel for someone on a scale of zero to 10 is like, you know, six or seven. And then like when your kid's born at the hospital, you feel like a nine or 10. Is that accurate, Mandy? Like normally you love people, it's like high on the scale, but then there's some things that like it's a full 10. You know what I mean? Like when your first child's born and you're like, oh, my baby you know this was like 100 on a scale of 0 to 10 it was the most supernatural feeling i felt a little bit of what god feels toward people it was the strangest so i go by the construction worker drive a little further i see another random person same thing happens i just break and i just feel such love And then the same thing, I remember thinking, I can't look at anybody or this is going to keep happening. And I looked at like a few people. It was like, I don't know, three or four or five people. And I just remember I had heaved and wailed so intensely. I've never done this in my life that I just felt like heaven on earth. It was just the craziest feeling. I remember getting to ICC and I thought, maybe revival is going to happen today. (laughs) I just had no idea why that happened. And now I look back on it, it's like, oh, the Lord wanted me to know how much he loves people. Like, it's way beyond what we've ever thought. And, but it, that day, I was like, maybe revival's coming or something. You know, I was just so into that. And I still am. The reason I share this is because the love of God toward people is, a, is an intensity that is far beyond what we're thinking. It's not like when we love someone, it's like the most loving emotion we've ever had, like when our first child was born. It's easily 10 times that. And I believe I couldn't handle the full capacity. I think he just kind of dialed it up to like 1% of his normal. And I felt that. And, And me feeling that love... I just became convinced and I always think back on that story and I go, God, you just love people so intensely. Help me to do this. Help me to love people because here's the thing. The Bible says God's not willing that any should perish but that all would come to everlasting life. He loves every single person. Every single person that we think is a random person, he loves them with this intense, like this, hurricane emotion like this hurricane like love and I just I just thought of it like this today it's like his love is like the sun in the solar system and he calls us to be like these little solar flares that kind of just touch people and communicate his love just a little bit but he is like this massive like inferno of just intense love for people and like those little solar flares that shoot out that's us And we're to touch people with this love and connect them back to this big love that is God. We're supposed to be like this wave that kind of touches people, and there's, oh, but there's this hurricane. He's just so powerful, and he loves you. And so I wanted to share that just to kind of orient us a little bit. There is so much more to this love thing, and He loves you with this intense love, and he loves people with this intense love, and so let's be the conduit. Let's be like what Paul... Let's love people well and bring them into the faith. And there's a lot of Christians out there that are cynical, that are burnt out, that need to see someone who's genuine and authentic and someone who's been cut at, but they don't bleed bitterness and offense. They bleed like Christ because they just walk in such tenderness. I want to be one of those guys that I get a lot of war wounds because I stay the course. But when you cut me, you get Jesus coming out—not all my flesh, sin, and hurt. You get Jesus. I remember one time when I uh, I did a Bible study. I was on a roofing crew. This is no joke. I was on a roofing crew. Really intense fun summer i mean we're talking about fist fights regularly we're i mean just every every word in the book constantly and the lord used me to do a bible study that, that summer well, one day a guy took a, a roofing staples i mean these are these are these are 10 I mean, a whole thing of roofing staples way more sharp than like actual staples and he just slit my arm open with it he just was like hey Derek," and just filleted my arm open and so I, tell, I told him, I was like, guys, I shed my blood for you. <laughs> I'm like, this is what you do when you love people. But I'll, and I got a scar on my arm. But that, that summer was one of the most powerful Bible studies I've ever done. With They actually asked me to do a Bible study for them. I want us to be that different, that no matter what people do, they could cut us open, we're just going to bleed Jesus on them. Let's close with that thought. Amen and amen. Father, we do pray tonight that we would be those who love. We don't want to amount to nothing. We want to be something and we want our life to profit much. So I just pray for those tuning in on Facebook right now. I pray for those listening to this on the recording. I pray for my dear brothers and sisters in the room tonight. Baptize us with a fresh baptism of your love. Let us not miss what is most important, to love you and to love others well. Amen. For more messages like this one, please visit our online teaching library at gphop.org teachings. If you found this free material helpful in your walk with God, please prayerfully consider a generous donation. To give, please visit gphop.org donate. That's gphop.org donate. Thank you and may the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ richly bless you today.